The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C., We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Your holster is way more important than you think it is. It's just way more important than you think it is. Look, and I get that. The holster's not the sexy part of carrying firearms, right? You want to talk about your weapon and your ammunition. You want to talk about your safety training. You want to talk about how you did at the range. Oh, look at my groups. I was doing these failure drills today. And all that stuff's really important. I mean, really, really important. I'm not discounting that. But I've known so many people who do all those things. They take all the necessary steps. And then they carry with a holster they bought from a big box hunting store that was made a 1,000 at a time. Please, don't put your life in one of those holsters. You need to trust Northwest Retention Systems because it's all custom-made gear. It's the only thing I carry around. NWRetention.com. That's NWRetention.com. Use the promo code JESSE. Get you 10% off. This is The Jesse Kelly Show. It's hard to invade something. It's hard. It is the Jesse Kelly Show. 877-377-4373. Jesse at jessekellyshow.com. Do you you feel it? We are one day away. 24 hours removed from an Ask 
Dr. Jesse Friday. Get your questions in now. Jesse at jessekellyshow.com. There's already a lot. We are going to continue sorting through them. I'm going to get to them. All right. I'm going to try to churn through as many as possible. This thing has gotten popular to a point where, yeah, yeah. We have a bipartisan group of senators, bipartisan, trying to take away Joe Biden's war powers. Joe Biden hasn't done a press conference in 42 days as president of the United States. All these things are telling you the same thing. What are they telling you? Well, I'll tell you in just a little bit. But first... Wars are funny things. I mean, they're terrible things, but they're funny things in that so often it's going one way. All the momentum is going one way and then pow, something happens and it turns things around. And everybody points to that and says, that's the one. That's that's where everything changed. Yeah, uh, Hitler invading the Soviet Union. That's where World War II changed. Germany had it. But that's where it changed. That's not always the case. Oftentimes, and I don't want to sound like your high school football coach here, but oftentimes war is simply a matter of commitment. It's a war of commitment. Who is the most committed? And I opened by saying it's hard to invade. That's why it's hard to invade. Because you're invading someone else's home. If I choose to get off work today and uh, grab an axe and come kick in your front door, you're going to fight with a certain level of desperation because that's your home, your family, your stuff. You're going to fight harder than I'm going to fight. Where, But if you come kick in my door... And I am sitting there with that axe. It's vice versa. It's why. I mean, yes, obviously a lot of people were dead and there was a lot of pillaging and stuff going on. But it's why Genghis Khan, it's part of why he was so successful. He didn't ever, ever dip his toe in the water if he's if he's coming at you. Oh, no, 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 no. You want war, we're going to war. I don't care about public relations. I don't care about reputation. We're going to do this. Let's do this. And only one of us is walking away on the back end, period. And there are people to this day who say that's the way war should be done. And you know what? Those people have a point. Let's go to the United States of America, really before it was the United States of America. Now, I understand we're going to be talking about the year 1777, so technically this is a year after it became the United States of America, but let's just say this. In the, in the eyes of the rest of the world, we weren't yet the United States of America, period. Not even on people who would become our allies very, very shortly. We were still just a rebellious colony, and we were a rebellious colony that 
was rebelling against the most powerful empire in the world. We talk about this every time we do an American Revolution show. This is our moment, and it's one you should be proud of. It is the beginning of your history. It's so cool. Rising up, having a revolution, and actually having something better on the other side of it, that never happens. Normally, you just switch tyrant for tyrant. We did it differently than others uh, that anyone had done it. That's how we look at it, and that's how we should look at it. But Britain was the big dog on the world stage at this point. This is that point in time where they controlled a fourth of the world's population. It's absurd. They were all over the place. We weren't the British colony. We were simply a British colony for them. Oh, they have several more. We were an important one, and they liked it, and they, they were getting natural resources from here, and they certainly were here to stay, but we were a British colony that was getting way too uppity for their own good, and they were going to have to put down this little rebellion thing there. All right, apparently they're mad about the sugar tax. Let's, let's, let's go handle it. And so we kick off a revolution. Well, early on, here's the situation. And look, this is so similar to to our situations later on, to to other situations in the history of the world. This is similar to us in Vietnam, similar to us in Afghanistan, if you make the Brits us. How How much are you committed to this? How many people are you willing to send? People and resources are you willing to send? When you get said people to their destination, how are you going to demand they conduct themselves? And it is a great question because don't think that you can. This is the problem. People think they can halfway Genghis Khan it. We do this all the time and we fail. You're not showing up to halfway it, or you're going to fail. Either you're showing up to kill everything that moves, or you're showing up as a friend, or you shouldn't show up at all. Period. Britain struggled with this. They understood there were too many people here, as they would find out our people can shoot. These are people mostly learning to live off the land. Our people can shoot. They know their way around the woods. This is a difficult people to handle. They understood they must lean on the percentage of the population that's here that was still loyal to Britain. And there were a ton of them. They were called loyalists. And I don't mean there were 10 or 12. About a third of the Americas were still loyal to Britain, and many of whom threw on a red coat and fought with the British, fought against us. And, of course, they thought we were traitors, and we thought they were traitors. In Britain, like I said, how do you handle that? You're stepping in to put down a rebellion, but all the people aren't rebelling. Just these people are rebelling, but these people are friends with the people who are rebelling. And, okay, well, I'm here now, and I have to, I have to feed my army. And this, 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 there's a nice farm right here. Boy, there's a couple farms right there. I think I'll come on the farm and, and ask for some food. Okay, well, oh, shoot. All right, they, they said, no, I'm not allowed to have the food. Should I take the food? Man, I'm not sure if I should take the food. Oh, uh, 
I just found out one of my guys got drunk that night and stormed into the house and started stealing food. Now I just created another rebel because now they just took off to join the rebel army. You see the problem. It's hard to invade when you step foot on someone else's homeland. No matter the situation, no matter how powerful you are. It's very, 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 very difficult to win in that situation, especially if you're trying to do it halfway. I want to win hearts and minds, but I'll also kill some people while I'm here. Halfway is going to get you beat. Now, here's the situation on the ground. 1777. We have had a couple of nice W's. Let's talk about those W's very, very briefly. Then we'll get to the battle that is thought to have turned around the Revolutionary War. And Joe Biden losing his war powers? Something's happening. I'll explain. Hang on. Feeling a little stocky? Follow, like, and subscribe on social at Jesse Kelly DC. That heart you have, that's the only one you're ever going to have. And my family has a history. It's not our fault. Just runs in the family. Heart problems. Blood pressure problems. I'm now 39. I'm not 19 anymore. I have to be more proactive, to put it mildly, to make sure my heart lasts a little bit longer than it would have otherwise. A basic, basic part of my daily routine is eating Super Beats Heart Chews. Super Beats Heart Chews are delicious. They combine non-GMO beets with a powerful new ingredient, grapeseed extract, meaning it's outstanding for your heart and your blood pressure, and they taste great. Nothing easier. Go to GetSuperBeats.com slash Jesse. That's GetSuperBeats.com slash Jesse. Buy two bags. They'll throw in a third for free. Minimum wage, maybe not all it was cracked up to be. We're finding some interesting results here. And oh, there's going to be another capital riot. Didn't you hear? Gosh, these people are so absurd. You can find me on social media at Jesse Kelly DC on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. I am on locals. I like, as you see, I'm, I'm posting on there more and more. That's the place I can't get kicked off. We all know my time is limited on the other ones. Back to our story. September 1777. By this point in time, we had had a couple of nice W's. Really nice W's. Places like Princeton. Washington Washington had already crossed the Delaware, standing on the front of that boat. That's not exactly how we did it, by the way. But you know what I'm talking about. We had had a couple W's. But we we certainly weren't winning the war by this point. The situation on the ground for both armies was this. The Americans could get recruits, but they were almost always fresh 
newly trained militia guys and you couldn't keep them forever. Remember, you're grabbing troops out of the population. People have lives to live. You're not grabbing full-time soldiers for the most part. That's not the way the colonies were set up. We didn't have really standing armies like that, not of any size whatsoever. So you're grabbing, uh, I need this tax guy here, a, a farmer here. I need this construction guy here. I need some boat builders here. And yes, there were, there were plenty of young men, patriotic young men, who wanted to fight the British who were willing to do it, but only for so long. And this is a period of time, keep in mind, where people got married and started families very, very, very young. Very young. 18, 19 years old, it was not uncommon. You already had a wife, couple kids back then. You can't just, oh, honey, I'm going off to war. I'll see you in three years. It's you're signing short-term commitments. Honey, I signed a a six-month enlistment. I'll be back. So you're constantly having to recruit new people and inspire new people to the cause. Britain sucks. We're great. Join us. We're fight for liberty. That's the American situation. The British situation is better, but they have their own challenges too. When I say better, that just comes with being the most powerful country in the world. Their Navy was so absurd. Their army was good and inexperienced. Good commanders. You had all the advantages that come with that. You're not. You're never going to run out of money. It's not one of those situations. Oh, man, I'd love to get you some more gunpowder, but we just don't have the cash. That's not going to be a problem for Britain. But what is a problem for Britain is recruitment. Getting the troops from Britain to America, well, first you have to recruit them in Britain, don't you? And getting them there takes over a month, I should say. But first, you have to recruit them. And it's one thing if you're an American and the Brits have have taken your dad's crops or or maybe maybe assaulted your sister or that stuff was happening. That's one thing. It's not hard to get that young man motivated to pick up a musket and go kill some Brits. What motivation do you have if you're the normal British young man? What's your motivation? Okay, so you want me to sign up for a hard military life, hop on a ship, cross the Atlantic Ocean, and pray I live through that, and then get there and fight in a hostile, hostile territory with some rough ground to it for a place I don't care about at all for one of our colonies? You see what I mean? A question of commitment. And that's where we are at this time. So there is a plan. And a plan has come, and a man by the name of Burgoyne comes up with this plan. He's a British general. He, you do need to remember his name. You know, I don't drown you in names. That If you take one away from today's show, that's the one you need to remember. General Burgoyne. Burgoyne is an interesting cat. He is probably a guy you would love to hang with if you were a young man. He's probably not the guy you'd want your husband to hang with after you had one. He is a gambler, so much so it's gotten him into trouble at several points in his life. He is a heavy, heavy, heavy drinker. He is a man who enjoys the company of the opposite sex. He is also supposed to be wildly, wildly charismatic. 
Everybody loved him except for high society. High society thought he was a bit of a barbarian, but his men loved him. Uh, other people, he just, he was, he, honestly, he sounds like a blast. 20-year-old Jesse would have loved to have met him. 39-year-old Jesse, uh, no, I think I'm just going to go home, please. My body hurts. I'm going home. And he comes up with an idea, an idea he sells to the British leadership. And his idea was this. He said, hey, the leadership of this rebellion, all these guys, they're all from New England. All the inspiration, all the leadership, this is all coming from New England. Yeah, they're grabbing recruits from all the other colonies, but why don't we cut off the head of the snake here? We can cut off the head of this snake. Let's do this. Let's take three different forces, cut through the New York area, cut them off, and separate leadership from the rest of them. Then we'll decimate the leadership and we'll win. Because the rest will just be simply just the, the, the lost in the desert, wandering around. The British love this. The British leadership, they love this idea. Now, here's the interesting part of it. You think of the military, you think of ours, you think of militaries mostly around the world as having a specific chain of command where this guy is under this guy who's under this guy who's under this guy. And whatever the guy on top says, the guy underneath him has to, has to obey. And that's somewhat true until you get to high, high, high levels the truth is the chain of command oftentimes gets a little blurred. And even when you have a clear chain of command, when you get to the ego and power level of this general versus this general, sometimes they just don't do what they're told. Sometimes they're too powerful and you can't really punish them for it. Burgoyne's plan involved a man named Howe, General Howe. He had a brother, Admiral Howe, who has a small part in this story. We're not going to go into that. But General Howe was told, hey, Burgoyne has a great plan. Go ahead and participate in Burgoyne's plan. Send your army to meet him at this specific location in New York. Albany's where they were going. Send your army to meet him at this specific point in New York to help him out and cut off New York. Well, General Howe didn't like Burgoyne. General Howe was technically over Burgoyne, and General Howe certainly did not like going along with Burgoyne's plan when General Howe had other plans of his own. He didn't want to go meet Burgoyne and, and cut off everybody in New England. General Howe wanted to take all of his troops, and he wanted to go attack Philadelphia. Remember, Philadelphia was the capital of this upstart American rebellion. It was where all the documents had been signed. This was the center of freedom. In General Howe's mind, I'm just going to go march on this place like I marched on New York. I'm going to take Philadelphia, and I'm going to end the war. But he can't really say no to Burgoyne. So instead, he says, not yet. He tells Burgoyne, oh, oh, yeah, of course. No, great plan. Love your plan. Huge fan. Huge fan. And I am 100% going to come meet you after I take Philadelphia. It's funny how that works out sometimes. All right. I'm going to try to finish the Battle of Saratoga. 
And we have trouble brewing in the White House. Hang on. I'm never going to come here and sit behind this microphone and lecture you because I'm not, I'm not qualified. I'm a terrible person. You know this. I'm not going to lecture you about dipping tobacco. I'm not. Why? I did it forever. I did it for years and loved it. Loved it. Look, I, total disclosure, I still love it. I still think about it sometimes. And it was really, really hard for me to quit. I know it's going to be hard for you to quit. I, this is hard to say, I needed help. Jake's Mint Chew. Look into Jake's Mint Chew. They have 11 different flavors. They have CBD pouches, which I would highly recommend. Nicotine-free, tobacco-free. It's even sugar-free. It's good for you. Go to jakesmintchew.com. That's jakesmintchew.com. Use the promo code JESSE. That gets you 20% off. We already have people getting laid off and fired for criticizing reparations. Whoo boy. <laughs> oh boy. 877-377-4373. Jesse at jessikellyshow.com. Remember, ask Dr. Jesse Friday tomorrow. I actually have one I'm going to answer today. I have one I'm going to answer today. I can do what I want. Back to this. Saratoga. England's having a hard time recruiting troops. We're moving on. We're, we're recruiting troops, but it's militia. It's just, it's, it's a difficult time. But they're here, and they have a plan, and General Burgoyne has a plan, and he has three different armies who are coming to meet him, and General Howe's supposed to bring his army to meet him, and woohoo, this should all go well, right? Not necessarily. They head first to a place called Fort Ticonderoga. You don't need to worry about remembering the name of that fort. Again, I'm not drowning you in details. It's just kind of a cool name that I wanted to be able to say on national radio. What, Chris? This is a fort that we had previously taken from the British. They take it back. Now, when I say they take it back, they didn't necessarily defeat us. We knew we couldn't defeat the army that had come there, and we did a tactical retreat from there. A tactical retreat, looking at what's ahead of you, knowing you can't defeat them at this point in time, and deciding instead of losing every single man, you were going to do a tactical retreat so you can fight them on more favorable ground with more favorable odds at another time. We did a, another story about Japan in World War II this week. Japan. If you had to point to one major reason why they lost in World War II, their inability, or I should just simply say unwillingness, to ever beat a tactical retreat. They viewed it as dishonorable. Abandon the crappy island and go to a different one. You can't win here. No, instead we'll die to the last man. Well, how'd that work out in the end? Anyway, I'm not going to get distracted. 
Brits, because remember I said they were having a hard time recruiting, they were doing things called, well, they were hiring Hessian mercenaries, Germans. They were hiring mercenaries, and these mercenaries were famously a little rough around the edges, as mercenaries can be. And to supplement their recruiting problems, they were doing something else. Then in the Indian tribes who got along very, very well with the British. Remember, the British, they had an on-again, off-again relationship with the Indian tribes. The French got along with the Indians more than the Brits did. But the Indians very much did not get along with the colonists at all. <laughs> they, are, they are trying to occupy the same space. And the Indians, there is a lot of tension at this point. So... Burgoyne continues. They take Fort Ticagaroga. They're moving down. And he has another force that's supposed to be coming to meet him. Burgoyne does. Remember, this is a three-pronged thing. They're all three going to meet up together. For, let's set Howe aside for a moment. Howe in Philadelphia. The other guy, he, on his way, wants to take a place called Fort Stanwix. They lay siege to Fort Stanwix. They're not necessarily winning at Fort Stanwix, so they decide to send a bigger British relief force to help them take Fort Stanwix, except the colonists, who are really good by this point at ambushes because they're so good in the wilderness, ambush the relieving force, wipe them out. The Brits then have to lift the siege and take off. Now you're Burgoyne. Now you're down to just you and Howe. At right about this time, you get a letter. Remember, there were supposed to be three forces joining Burgoyne. One's gone now. Peep, gone. Right about this point, you get a letter from Howe saying, hey, uh, this Philadelphia campaign is taking way longer than I thought it was going to take. I'm not coming. Howe's just not coming. Howe took way too long, decided to do some overcomplicated invasion of Philadelphia. Burgoyne now is left with a choice. He can stop this entire thing or he can push on by himself. The forces between him and the Americans are all of a sudden looking a lot more even. We've talked a million times about momentum on the show. Momentum is so, so difficult. Think if you're Burgoyne by this point. You've already approached the leadership of your country and sold them on this plan. You can say, well, it's not his fault. The other people pulled out. You think a general, an ambitious general, is going to walk back into the same office of that leadership and say, sorry, it didn't work out. I had to turn around. How wouldn't come? That's not how it works. That's not how it works. And maybe the smart thing, that's not how it works, though. It doesn't work that way. Burgoyne decides he's going to push on. He's going to take these Americans by himself. He's an ambitious, hard-charging, go get him general. Let's go. Only the going is the problem. What do I mean by that? Remember we've talked about ancient Rome and how powerful they were a million different times. And one of the most underrated parts of ancient Rome, one of the things that helped them conquer so much of the world, made their armies so feared, was one of the least sexy things you can talk about. Roads. Rome was emphatic 
about having nice, wide, smooth, basically paved, although it was more like a concrete, roads. Not difficult to get armies to and fro, to get carriages, lots and lots of baggage trains to and fro. Your supplies, your armies are moving so fast. And again, this is not the sexy part of war. You and I like to talk about swords and spears and bombs and bullets and guns and all that other cool stuff. Let's just be frank about it. Go uh, at least picture yourself with one of those little red wagons you used to ride around in as a kid. Go out in the middle of your paved road in front of your house if no cars are coming and walk a half a mile in that thing and time yourself. Now, go take it to a rocky hilltop with no paths at all and go half a mile in that thing and time yourself. Any difference? Yeah, a big difference. The Americas at this point are wild and they are not they are not full of a bunch of interstates at this point. He is moving with a British army. He famously has a ton of extra baggage with him as well. He brought along a bunch of wine. He brought his mistress along on campaign. Like I said, Burgoyne is an interesting cat. I know, Chris. I don't know. I don't have a good explanation. I don't know that he had to have an explanation. When you get to be a general at this level, you do a lot of the things you want to do. He said he had to keep morale up. Quick, Chris. Now... But they have to go, and they have all this baggage with you, and the army's getting tired. It's hot. There are mosquitoes. The roads and paths are terrible. And George Washington, George Washington, well, George Washington knew this. And he famously, famously talked about how he was going to use the American environment against his enemies. They knew that the British Army was going to have a hard time moving to and fro, so they're constantly chopping down trees and throwing the logs in the way, slowing everything down, doing what they can to make things miserable. And it was so miserable, this march of Burgoyne, that he starts to lose things. Remember I talked about the Hessian mercenaries? I talked about the Indians? There's a reason... Mercenaries aren't the most favored group out there. They're not the most loyal group. They're fighting for money. And these guys were German. They were German in America. Germans were perfectly welcome in America. What do I mean by that? I'll explain in a moment. And then we'll get to Biden. Biden losing his war powers. Yikes. Hang on. Jesse Kelly. You're listening to The Jesse Kelly Show. No word in the English language is less convincing than probably. Are you sure we should get matching tattoos on our first date? Sure. Um, we'll probably stay together. Probably? <laughs> it's been 23 minutes since I ate. I can probably swim. Uh, you should wait 30 minutes. Mm, okay, <laughs> tell me what to do. Cannonball! Cramp! Oh, I have a cramp. I can probably hit the green from here. Probably. 
Can I get a mulligan? Ready to go? Hey, are you sure you're okay to drive? Yeah, I'm pretty sober. Yeah, I'm probably okay. Probably okay isn't okay, especially when it comes to drinking and driving. If you're drinking, call a cab, a car, or a friend. Buzz driving is drunk driving. A message brought to you by NHTSA and the Ad Council. Did you know there's another capital riot coming? This is dead. What, Chris? This is deadly serious. Deadly. The terrorism experts said there is. <laughs> oh, gosh. These idiots. We have the dumbest people leading this country. We genuinely do. We genuinely do. Thank you. Thank you. And I'm happy to take questions if that's what I'm supposed to do, Nance. Whatever you want me to do. They just cut Biden off when he asked for questions. All right, we'll get to that in a second. Quit. Quit distracting me. Why do the Hessian mercenaries desert? Because they can desert and just go set down a rifle and start a new life in America, and no one cares. Oh, yeah, I'm German. Uh, uh, my name is Hans. Uh, just, just got here from Germany. Just starting a little farm. Don't worry about me. And that's not even as bad as the Indians. There's a reason... They didn't like to fight with the Indians. I, I know, and you know I'm an Indian freak. I love, I love the Indian tribes. I always have it. It's always, I think they're so cool. So many of them are cool. Some of them are lame, but so many of them are so cool. But the regular armies hated fighting with the Indians because the Indians were undisciplined, extremely undisciplined because they didn't fight in that way. They didn't fight with strict orders, strict formations. No, it was not superior. I realize you have to paint the picture of the saintly Indian. It was not superior. They regularly got their teeth kicked in when they took someone on head to head. They were better guerrilla fighters, more loose guerrilla fighters. So they were they were horribly disciplined. And again, a question of commitment. It's too hot. The mosquitoes are bad. We're not eating as well. We'll just go home. So you're losing some Indians and you're running into another problem. The Indians are committing atrocities. The Hessian mercenaries are committing atrocities. Remember, you're here trying to win a war, but also hearts and minds, you know, all that crap we're trying to pull in Afghanistan and stuff like that. And someone gets scalped and it's a woman who gets scalped. And this woman she was actually the wife of a loyalist who was fighting for the British Army. And the Indians find her on this campaign and scalp her. Her name, I believe it was Jane McRae. Don't quote me on that, but I believe that was her name if I remember right. People freak. And Burgoyne now has a situation. They're telling him, uh, you have to take that Indian who scalped her and you have to hang him right now. People are freaking out. And Burgoyne is between a rock and a hard place. If he takes this Indian and hangs him, he'll lose all the rest of the Indians. They'll go back home. They'll get mad because that Indian is simply conducting warfare in the way the Indians conducted warfare. That's not an atrocity in his mind. That's how you did it. Women and children were fair game. He lets him go. Doesn't prosecute him. Now you swell the ranks of the rebels. And this gets us 
to our battle, which I will get through here pretty quickly. He finally gets to this battle. And what does he find? He finds 7,000 rebels waiting for them, 7,000 Americans waiting for him at a position of their choosing. They know the terrain, and they're dug in. And remember when I said the Americans were excellent shots? There's a reason lots of time when you see Revolutionary War paintings. I was about to say pictures. There weren't very many pictures of the Revolutionary War. When you see paintings, you see the Brits sitting there with bayonets on the end of their weapons, and an American has a musket, and he doesn't have a bayonet. And this used to bother me all the time when I was a kid. I'm like, why didn't we have bayonets? I'd want a bayonet. Who doesn't want a bayonet? That was actually real. Many Americans didn't have a bayonet because they actually had muskets that had better rifling in the musket, and the musket wasn't equipped to take a bayonet. The musket was made to hunt. So they weren't made to take a bayonet. They were made to shoot really, really straight and really, really far and be proud because as an American, from this war on and all the rest of them, Americans are known for their marksmanship. Americans are known to just simply be able to shoot. We live in a gun culture. Be very proud about that. We shoot here in this country. We start to absolutely slaughter these Brits who are tired, worn out, don't have the food, don't have the water. He's lost mercenaries. He's lost Indians. And a man, technically the Americans were under Horatio Gates, but we had another general who was under Gates, a man maybe you've heard of by the name of Benedict Arnold. Yes, the famous traitor. Before he was a famous traitor, he was an American hero. Benedict Arnold takes advantage of a huge weak spot in the British line, leads a charge slaughters the British who have to turn and flee the field. Benedict Arnold actually got his thigh shattered by a musket ball during this battle and was laid up for a long time. The next time we see him, he's actually fighting for the Brits after this. This was his last battle. But the Americans win the battle of Saratoga. And the mo- the reason this battle is so important, Bur- Burgoyne doesn't, doesn't die, by the way. He surrenders his sword to Gates. The reason the battle of Saratoga was so, so important was now the French joined. What does that mean? I'll explain what that means. Let's get to Biden. Let's get to all the fun. Hang on a second. Dad, your prescription will be ready in just a minute. Hey, Dad, your laundry will be ready in just a minute. Dad, your lunch will be ready in just a minute. Hey, honey, why don't you take a minute? When you help care for a loved one, you give them as much time as you can, making sure they're safe and comfortable. But it's just as important that you take some time for yourself. At AARP, we can help with information and useful tips on how you can maintain a healthy life balance, care for your own physical and mental well-being, and manage the challenges of caring for a loved one. Because the better care you take of yourself, the better care you can provide for your loved one. Thanks, Dad. Thank you. You're there for them. We're here for you. Find free care guides to support you and your loved one at aarp.org caregiving. 
That's aarp.org caregiving. A public service announcement brought to you by AARP and the Ad Council. Oh, yes, it's going to be quite a show today. I am fascinated by what's happening with Joe Biden. I can't believe more people don't see it. I'm about to lay it all out for you. We're going to dig into this Joe Biden thing right now. We're losing cheerleaders. Oh, but first, remember, 877-377-4373, jesse at jessekellyshow.com. Email your love. Email your hate. Email your death threats. Email your Ask Dr. Jesse questions for Friday. We have a great list of them. Tomorrow's going to be an awesome show, an absolutely awesome show. I'm going to get to at least one or two Ask Dr. Jesse questions today. We have a couple voicemails I'm going to play. Remember, if you call and don't get us live, leave a voicemail. We'll play it. It's all good. We're happy to do so. Look, the show's about me, really. What, Chris? The show's about me. Why is it important the French got involved? We'll talk about that. Then Joe Biden. Hang on. Jesse Kelly Show. This is the Jesse Kelly Show. I've been cautioned not to give an answer to that because we don't know for sure. But my hope is... By this time next year, we're going to be back to normal. And before that, my hope. Ah, happy one-year anniversary to 15 days to slow the spread. There's your inspirational message from the man who, do we call him president? I mean, president? Kind of president? Hey, well, you know what? Pause for a moment. Let me finish this. Let me finish. Then we wrap this up here because we have to talk about this Joe Biden thing. Why was that battle of Saratoga so important? Because by that point, right after that battle, France, who hated Britain, was another mega power. They weren't really all in for the rebels yet. Decided, okay, these guys are actually going to be legitimate. They recognized us and threw themselves all in. All in. Backing the American colonies, which gave us the things we needed to finish out the war. There you go. The Battle of Saratoga. But remember, everything is a question of commitment. I have these emails just say, remember I called out that guy. What should we do with someone who's actively trying to cancel someone else? Should we ignore him? Should we just say no? Should we cancel him? 
Who's more committed? They're all the way committed. Remember, communism is a religion of domination. They will never, ever, 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 ever get to a point where they're all, I'm good. I think we've taken over enough here. I'm happy. That's not how the religion works. How committed are you? Are you so committed that you will do uncomfortable things, things that go against maybe even your moral fabric to achieve victory over these monsters? Question you're going to have to ask yourself more than you think you are. All right, let's deal with this Joe Biden thing. Chris, just play that little Joe Biden clip. I want you, Chris, to play the clip you played beforehand because this is what happened. Thank you, thank you. And I'm happy to take questions if that's what I'm supposed to do, Nance, whatever you want me to do. That was Joe Biden calling for questions, and the beep you heard was this. This is from Breitbart.com. White House cuts video feed after Joe Biden asks for questions. They had a virtual event. Biden asks for questions. Boop. Cuts off. And you heard, as Jewish producer Chris pointed out during the break, you heard Joe Biden, I'm happy to take questions if that's what I'm supposed to do. Does that does that sound like the leader of the free world? Play this again. Listen again. Listen closely. Does this sound like a man who's in charge? Thank you. Thank you. And I'm happy to take questions if that's what I'm supposed to do, Nance, whatever you want me to do. I'm happy to take questions if that's what I'm supposed to do. Let's just let's take everything into account here and figure this out cuz I think we all know the game right now, right? Joe Biden no press conferences. Gives a speech or an extended interview of some kind once every 3 or 4 days. We never see him. It's not as if he's out bouncing around doing this event or that event. And when we do see him, like I was going off about yesterday, it's Joe Biden half the time. Remember yesterday we played that interview from Univision where Joe Biden's giving some rambling answer and Joe Biden just totally unprompted steps in and just starts answering for him? Remember that? Do you remember? So now we have a virtual event. I'm happy to take questions if that's what I'm supposed to do. This is not a person who is in charge. This is an old, degenerated, feeble, mentally incapable man who should be in a care facility who is being propped up in the White House. And the thing about this is, as you well know, I'm more than happy, more than happy to mock politicians. You, oh, you have the Univision? Do you feel in charge? <laughs> Chris, you psycho. <laughs> That's such a great movie. You know what? Keep that forever because I love that line now. Do you feel in charge? This man is not running anything. And I'm happy to make fun of people. I'm happy to make fun of Joe Biden. But this is an important role for all of us. This is the commander-in-chief. No, he's not our king. He's not all-powerful. By the grace of God, he's not. But this is the commander-in-chief. This man is the leader of the free world. 
we can't have this. We can't have some aging, powerless guy who can't put together a sentence, can't keep a thought in his head. This goes so far beyond Republican or Democrat or left or right. This is embarrassing and dangerous for a nation. And I saw this headline yesterday, and man, I think something's happening out there. Let me tell you, this is the headline. This is from thehill.com, which is a total left-wing rag. It's one of these things, just to give you a heads up, they print, or at least they used to print a hard copy of The Hill out in D.C., and they would basically deliver a copy of it to every congressman and senator's office every morning. It's one of those total left-wing hack Democrat-run rags that they all read. It's part of the reason your Republicans are so weak because they read the Hill and want the Hill to say something nice about them. Anyway, this is from the Hill. Bipartisan group of senators introduces bill to rein in Biden's war powers. The bill spearheaded by Senator Tim Kaine. That's Democrat Senator Tim Kaine. I'm not going to go into all the senators doing this. But, I mean, we have Tammy Duckworth. We have have all these Democrats out there. I'm telling you, there's something coming. I can feel it in my bones. And you know I'm the oracle. I can feel it in my bones that something is coming. Something is coming, and they're going to try to dump Joe Biden before his first year is up. And remember this, these, this Hunter Biden stuff, not that I think Hunter Biden's ever going down and Joe Biden's never going down. That Hunter Biden stuff was not just campaign fodder we bring up. All that was real. We had witnesses and there were all kinds of ties to Joe Biden. And there's still all these investigations going on. I don't know if that's part of the reasoning. I don't know if the fact Joe Biden can't think is part of the reasoning, but I know there is starting to be a slow build, a slow, consistent build that feels like we got to be done with this guy. I feel like they're trying to be done with Joe Biden before Joe Biden is ready to be done with Joe Biden. He's not allowed to speak. He, t- he does what he's told when he's told. When he does speak, his wife jumps in. They're trying to rein in his war powers. There is something going on out there. I feel like the left flank, the left flank of Joe Biden, they are, they're feeling like they should have more power than they currently have. They know Kamala Harris will be more compliant. She's already been the most left-wing senator according to all those grades. I think I think they got elected. They won the election. They looked around and they said to themselves, "Great, we won. Nice Trump's gone. Woohoo, we're good to go." But why do we have to keep Joe around now? What good is he? Something is afoot. I can smell it. No, I'm not talking about Chris's feet. All right, hang on. We're going to get to a couple voicemails. Hang on. Newton Group Transfer. 
They are here to help you if you're stuck in a timeshare. These stories from people who have these timeshares and can't get out of them, they're shocking. These timeshare companies, not all of them, but so many, they get their hooks into you and you can't give them up. You can't give them up or they'll, they'll do things like they charge you thousands of dollars. One girl, she got past her timeshare when her mother passed away. She gets past the timeshare, doesn't want the timeshare, doesn't use the timeshare. They tell her she can get out of it for $4,000. She has to come up with a $4,000 check. This is not right, it's unjust, and Newton Group Transfers is here to help you. If you are in a timeshare and want out or know someone who is, call 888-845-3773. That's 888-84-JESSE or go to timesharejesse.com, Newton Group Transfer. They will help you out. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters— with new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic Gymnastics, Cain Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. 